What is up, citizen detectives, Andler queens, and secret boyfriends? Welcome to Yellow Jackets Buzz. I'm Glenn Rubenstein, joined by NYC Demon Diva Issa. And here we are to talk about episodes five and six of Yellow Jackets. Issa, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm, I'm I'm excited to talk about this, and I cannot wait for episode seven. I think episode six was probably the biggest, like, oh my god, this needs to like not stop here moment that I've had so far. So I'm like wow. counting down the hours for the new episode to come out. All right, all five and six were so good. We're gonna dive into and go scene by scene, and we're excited because after this, we're gonna be caught up. Um, yes. So well, we are <laughs> technically caught up with this, so we're not gonna have to worry about spoiling anything or theorizing anything because. Yes. Whatever we're talking about today, if you're listening to this and you're only on episode five and six, this is all you know as well. Um, so let's dive right into it. On episode five, we open with the girls in the cabin dancing to Montel Jordan's This Is How We Do It. They're doing The Running Man, The Bart Simpson. Coach Ben is watching. Like, Issa, this looks like like the best summer camp ever, in my opinion. Doesn't it? Like... Uh, what I, it was for a second that I was confused. I'm like, is this an illusion? Are they dreaming this? Because why are they having so much fun? Did we forget that we're stranded in a forest after a car, like plane crash and there's no food? It was it was it was a little bizarre, but yeah, it doesn't make you realize that they're in such a miserable situation. I like this. I like seeing the team together and happy despite their circumstances. I think when I think of my favorite TV shows. Um, and I've, I've noticed this is a trend. Breaking Bad did this a lot. It's like when you see the characters you love together having a good time, it almost makes it like more powerful when they're separated or when they're going through like hardship. But it's like these are the moments where you communicate the bond that they have. And in turn, like the audience really gets to see and appreciate that. Yeah, I agree. And you'll see them bond and the way that they treat each other and the way that they flick, like the way that they fix their conflict before they even go on the trip, you can tell that there's a special bond between these girls. Absolutely. And it shows in these things. Absolutely. And uh, I love that Javi's even getting into it and dancing with them. And then, of course, <laughs> the batteries die. Um, could you imagine if you were one of the Yellow Jackets that does not survive, the last recorded music you ever heard <laughs> was Montel Jordan's This, this Is How We Do It. I can't sing it because we'll get copyright strike. But you know what? It's 1996. That could possibly be somebody's like time witch song. <laughs> Don't you think? Like if it was, <laughs> if it was 1996, Glenn, what song? I know we already talked about this, but this is a different situation. We're not talking about getting a lullaby to get a bowel movement. Now we're talking about this might be your last song that you listen to. What would you ask for? Oh, this is tough in 96. I mean, yes. Earlier, they referenced Oasis's Wonderwall. Actually, you know what would be nice? Uh, Oasis has a song, Don't Look Back in Anger. That would be a nice sort of, I mean, it's a very beautiful song. It kind of rocks. It's got nice lyrics. I mean, if, if I had to think about like deathbed songs from 1996 or yeah. sooner, like that would be one that I th would feel like, okay, I'd be kind of at peace hearing this really beautiful song with very nice lyrics and a nice message. But, you know, knowing my luck, it would be Snow's Informer. Um, you know, or Vanilla Ice's Ninja Turtles rap. Like, I guess you no! never, you know, most, most of us aren't blessed to get to choose the last song that we ever, that we ever hear. So I guess Montel Jordan's This Is How We Do It is probably as good as any. I mean, maybe if I had my druthers, uh, Nate Dogg and Warren G's Regulate, you know, might be a little higher up there on the list. I don't know. What about you? 
Uh, listen, I'm going to tell you this right now, and it's out of the air. It's going to be out of our podcast. And if something happens to me, you better make sure that Frank Sinatra's My Way is played yes. for me. See, but again, that's it's a beautiful song, and it makes sense. What? That's poignancy. That's having the choice. That's like getting to pick the perfect last song to hear. And it's never going to be that. You could go through life. All right, and you know what? Fine. Yeah. Then play, then play. This is how we do it. Yes. You know, knowing knowing my luck, if I died in 1996, like it, I would have just finished listening to Right Said Fred's I'm Too Sexy. And then. Yo, I called? love that song. I it love is, that it, song. It is kind of a jam. And it has a message. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know. Uh, but this was great. And in fact, that's why it's funny in the later scene where we see Jackie desperately trying to get the batteries to work. Because I think Jackie's having that thought of like, please don't let it be. This is how we do it. Be the last song that I ever no. hear. It, it can be that they just want some music because music is a natural escape from reality. You just, you're, the way that you're thinking about this is priceless. Because <laughs> I didn't, now you're going to have me looking at it, at this thing completely different when I go back and rewatch for, I don't know, the 10th time. I watched both of these episodes again today, by the way. So they're fresh in my mind. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I'll tell you, uh, yeah. it's interesting because you think about if you're stuck in the woods, man, you know, if I oh, go down God. a plane crash, please let somebody have brought a guitar. Please let somebody be able to sing. Please let somebody be able to like recreate movies. the Jackie. If we're in a, if we're in a <laughs> let's say, a, a wrestling ink trip, right? Yeah. Like, let's say this is the crew that we usually like hang out with and podcast with. I will 1,000% be the Jackie. In the, I'm not an outdoor kind of girl, which is funny because I want to go on Survivor, which is the more outdoorsy show there is. But Absolutely. that's why. It's because I'm the least outdoor person there is. I'm a city girl, always been in. Yeah, I will be a mess. I will be a yeah. mess. Yeah. I don't know what I would. I would contribute random trivia and things I picked up from TV and movies. And it would be like, oh, I yeah. think this yeah, That I can do. Yeah. I'll yeah. be making puzzles out of like, three branches and making like people try to figure out these puzzles or whatever, you know, but not, none of the survival instinct stuff. We're, we're dead. You well, feel kind uh, of me. I, you know, and I understand it, believe me. Uh, and, and I like seeing the different things that they're trying to do to survive, but we go to the, uh, scene of the next morning and, uh, already one of the most iconic scenes in the show, coach Ben is asleep, but part of him is awake and Misty comes in and we get that moment where she is just, Eyes fixated on uh, Coach Ben's uh, morning uh, man reaction that he's having. Um, she goes out like she's going to touch it. Coach Ben wakes up and is just like, what are you doing? Get away from me. <laughs> what a moment. It, it was the whole the whole thing was awkwardly hilarious. The Coach Ben's reaction. So bless his heart. He's so scared. But yet, I don't know. I don't know how to describe his reaction to Misty because I feel like he needs her, but yet he's terrified of her. Yeah, and really that plays itself out in this episode uh, quite well, the way they explain that. Uh, we also learn that all of the girls' uh, menstrual cycles have synced up completely, and everyone is experiencing yes. their period at the same time in the woods. Yes, this uh, is a known thing that happens to females when they get close or when they spend too much time together. So I love, I actually love that they paid attention to that detail and included it in because, yeah, that, that does happen and it's hilarious. Everybody's always in a bad mood or crampy or you know how it is. You know how it is. You're scary. <laughs> I, I, and I've, I've been around women before. Uh, it's interesting to see Travis's reaction. We'll talk more about that. Um, but I, I mean, I like that they're not, sugarcoating it or glossing over it or just saying like, Oh my God, everyone has their period. It's like, no, we see that they've made uh makeshift. Uh, I 
you know, menstrual pads. Um, they're they're boiling them and reusing them, cooking it right next to breakfast. Apparently, Travis almost yes. made the mistake of taking his breakfast out of the wrong pot. Um, I mean, this is this is yes. as real as it gets in how they're depicting this. Um, and you need and you need this kind of realness in this kind of show. So otherwise, it doesn't make it real. You mean to tell me that a team of girls get lost in the woods for nineteen months and we're not gonna mention that aspect of it? You kind of have to, and and I'm glad that they brought it up right away. Yeah, I mean, I think that look, this is not you know as we said, this is not the worst depiction um, that we've ever seen of people struggling, but I feel like they're keeping it pretty real. Um, and also coming up with uh, explanations for things. I mean, we see them doing their laundry. We see that the cabin was well stocked enough that they're able to have some yeah. comforts, but they're definitely roughing it. And Jackie is faring the worst of all. Uh, she's being seen as not contributing. They essentially say, go get some water, make yourself useful um, in all this. Now we do see an exchange with her and Shauna where uh, uh, Shauna says that her period has not come. She is late. And uh, mm -hmm. Jackie, again, referencing, oh, thank God you're a virgin or else we'd have something to worry about. But again, underlying. Awkward. Shauna, yes, awkward. <laughs> what an awkward moment. And, and uh, I can only imagine what Shauna's feeling. Like this whole thing has to be putting her in, in such a draining, you know, and, and, and what we find out, you know, obviously that she's expecting. And it's just like, you know, the stress and what they say the first three months are like, and now she's dealing with all this on top of that, hiding this secret from her best friend. I can't even begin to imagine the stress that she's on. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, insane. And then she has to keep the secret that it's her best friend's boyfriend um, that got her pregnant as we saw in the first episode. Yeah. And Jackie's just so nice to her. And I'm just like, ah, oh. <laughs> you mean, know, <laughs> we'll talk about this a little more in a, uh, yeah. As we get into episode six, but is Jackie that nice to Shauna? Because I think that going through my eyes as a teenager, I think their relationship is very normal. When I view it as an adult, I do think Jackie could be a little guilty of sidekicking Shauna um, right. and putting her in the like uh, more submissive role of I'm the pretty popular one, um, but you're my support system. You're my best friend. You know, like there's a little bit, I think, of a hierarchy within their two-person relationship. Agree, but I really do think that Jackie is just, that's just the way that she is. And she knows that Shauna accepts her just that way. And she's appreciative of that. I can see that. I think everybody as a teenager had that friend that you love and adore, even though they were kind of jerks. You still kind of stood up for them, you know? And I see that in their relationship. Yeah, well, we cut them to present day. I do uh, think, I do think in the woods, I do think in the woods, Jackie becomes nicer to Shauna than she was when they were in normal, regular life, what we saw them outside of the woods. And I could see that, uh, that, yeah, I mean, she doesn't quite have um, the same, uh, you know, J Jackie's ego is not being boosted by this experience. Jackie is actually being quite humbled by this experience, um, given that even she probably feels like she's not contributing as much. Um, so we cut right. to present day. Shauna is distracted. She burns the toast because she's texting with Adam, who very much wants to uh, see her and make plans with her. Uh, Shauna's daughter, Callie, says, hey, I'm going to the city tonight. There's going to be an Uber charge. Basically more tells her mom than asks. And uh, then after she leaves, Jeff and Shauna are having a discussion about uh, Callie's behavior. Um, Shauna's making clear she's going to book club. Jeff wants to come to book club. You get a little bit of that, like, is he almost, I don't think he's full on paranoid, but I think that he wants to reassure himself there's nothing to worry about 
when he right. suggests he right. goes to Right. I want I want us to name this episode The Girl on the Train Window, which is the clearly made up book that Sean <laughs> And I got that reading at book club (laughs) immediately because aren't those both uh, Gillian Flynn novels, the girl on the train and the girl in the window? Yes. So good. (laughs) Yes, they are. I thought that was funny the way she just like mixed the two together and just came up with that title, like just pulled it right out of her butt when she needed to. It was great. (laughs) And I feel like Shauna, it's funny. um, Gone Girl, I think, is such an underrated film. I think that it's so interesting what they did uh, with that movie and the way that it speaks towards gender dynamics, relationships, dynamics. Like, I think Shauna's reference here tells us a little bit about how Shauna sees herself um, and maybe uses some of some of those behaviors to justify her behavior in cheating on her husband and the way she's like navigating her complicated life. I feel like she relates very much. Uh, to those characters. Agreed. Great. Excellent uh, comparison, actually. And I do agree that movie is so underrated. Such a good film. It is interesting, too. I wonder if that is sort of like a Gen X or older thing is I think that um, I've been guilty of this. I think sometimes we see behaviors of characters in fiction, um, characters that we relate to, characters that we identify with, and we almost use um, some of their behavior to justify our behavior in life. Right. Right. Yes. Yes, I, I, I found myself comparing myself to a fictional character on multiple occasions. You know what I mean? That it's just oh, yeah. like, why am I, why am I doing this? Like this character doesn't actually exist, but because of the way that they behave, you, you compare yourself to that. So yeah, I can see that. Well, and think about how um, 70s, 80s, 90s, as TV and movies especially became more of an imbalance towards how we were consuming things, how our lives started to revolve more around these fictional characters. I mean, I think back now and I cringe a little bit as a child where it was like something like Ferris Bueller and it would be like, well, it's okay to skip school or it's okay to try and do this or feel like I'm doing this because this character that I loved and admired probably in a way that he shouldn't have been admired, like these right. almost become our weird sort of role models for our worst instincts and sometimes, you know? Yes. Yes. And they teach you things that you shouldn't be doing, but you just defend them because this person on TV did them, especially back then when there was not, I don't know. I feel like characters were portrayed differently back then than they are now. So, yeah. yeah. No. And uh, we, we cut to Natalie who's getting the toxicology report from Kevin. It's clean. And uh then Kevin asked Natalie out. And if it was not clear in the last episode, was Natalie using Kevin? Like, Natalie ain't got no interest in setting up a potato. I'm Kevin. sorry, Glenn. I'm getting, I'm getting another call. I got to go. <laughs> the, wor- the worst and lamest way to end a phone call in a conversation you don't want to be a part of. <laughs> oh, well, okay. Who's worse, though, in how Natalie sees them? Kevin, who said the toxicology report on Travis was clean, there was nothing in his system, or then Misty, who then when Natalie goes to call Misty, is listed under her phone under D for don't pick up. (laughs) (laughs) The the, the amount of toxic relationships in this show is ridiculous. We should be keeping track of them, actually. (laughs) Oh my god, it is. Toxic relationships and friendships. like It's hard to keep track of because there's way too many. And she's contacting Misty because Misty knows a guy that can hack emails and uh, Natalie wants to hack into Kevin's email to get the complete report. Now we go to Misty. It is Halloween and present day. 
uh, Misty at the old folks home. Um, it's Halloween. Oh my God. I love this scene. So if I could marry a scene from yellow jackets, it would be this scene where one of the this children, is what you will marry. Oh, this scene was so well, actually there's another scene in this it, episode. It is great. There's it another is great. scene in this episode, which actually might've stolen my heart a little bit more. And we'll get to that. Okay. But I this can't wait scene, to hear it. Where the kids are trick-or-treating, one dressed as a mermaid, the other dressed as a doctor. They come into where there's a woman uh, on life support and monitoring systems to uh, get candy from Misty. Misty sees the kids as a doctor. Misty puts her foot down to the power cord, turns off the power on the monitoring system, causing a flat line, and then says, doctor, doctor, we need help, and grabs the child, who then runs out of there as quickly as possible. Misty looking so satisfied with herself. How can you watch this and not say Misty is the best character on all of television? I mean, this thing was perfect. And then, and then how did she end it? She says, I guess it's a trick or trick, I guess, instead of treat. Oh my God. It was, a, it was perfect. Yeah. I was not expecting this to go there. It was hilarious. It was, it was a great scene. Probably one of my favorite moments in the show as well. I don't think this is the scene that I will marry, but it's up there for me right now. This was this is a scene I could settle down with. I'm just saying, you know, I'm, in a game I'm of sad. F Mary Kill, maybe the scene later in the episode is the is the one that I would F because it is uh that we good. should do F Mary Kill scenes at the end of each episode. <laughs> 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 but then you know what? Since it's yellow jackets we're talking about, kill should be the good one. Like kill should oh, be our there favorite. You go. Well, this See? is Mary Diab- Mary should be our least favorite. <laughs> well, this scene is diabolical. We flash back and then Shauna is dipping uh, a uh, piece of uh, white cloth in deer's blood yeah. to, uh, to yeah. fake uh, her period. And then present day, we've got uh, Thaisa with her wife. Um, Thaisa thinks there's a wolf outside and goes full Liam Neeson and taken, grabs a letter opener and goes out to deal with the wolf that she sees and then finds that somebody has written spill, which is her opponent in her Senate campaign has written spill in red paint on her, yeah. uh, on her door. Yeah. Oh, Thaisa. I feel, I mean, I feel like Thaisa's life, I'm granted it's politics, but just everything she's dealing with is just like so stressful to me. And, and I mean, when we get to episode six, we'll talk more about Thaisa, but I feel like we see the trauma, and we'll get to it from Thaisa a lot more than the other survivors. You know yes. what I mean? Oh, and, absolutely. And it just makes her so captivating, which is why I told you, I think she's my favorite character, which is probably a very unpopular opinion. I think with Thaisa, um, this might be weird, but it's like because there's the unknown there, right? It's like, okay, with Natalie, we know what Natalie has been through. We've right. seen a lot of what Natalie's been through. We understand she's had a hard road. Um, with Misty, we even though Misty is perhaps the most unhinged of the characters, we see what she's been through. Shauna, we understand she's been through. With Thaisa, I think because they haven't fully explained perhaps the generational trauma that she's dealing with, with her grandmother, with herself, with her child. I think maybe that is why it's the scariest is because it's one we don't yeah. understand. But there's also, uh, we already know, and it's been established that Thaisa would do anything to get what she wants. She's reckless. She destroyed that girl's leg and she wanted to already stop her before she took matters into her own hands. So, and now, you know, we'll get to it again, but she's speaking about going out there and finding help. Like there's such a reckless, when she, when I saw that thing earlier on in the other episode, when she kicked that girl and destroyed her to not go to nationals with them, that's when I knew there was so much more to this character. She's evil and, and, and 
they're not telling us to what extent she is, but she yeah. is. Yeah. Well, um, in the woods, we see Shauna trying to help Jackie, uh, teaching her how to butcher and get the meat off of a deer, <laughs> which Jackie is not have. I as a, I've, look, I've been vegan for twenty years. I really worry how it fare in the woods. But look, if this is what it came down to, like I'm surviving. You know, I do what it took to survive. That's my own personal line in this. You know, it's like uh, I got to debone a deer. You wouldn't so go. You wouldn't go look for berries. <laughs> <sighs> I think I would choose wrong. See, this is where it's terrible because I know that deer meat's not going to poison me or fish isn't going to poison me, but a berry might or a mushroom might, you know? Yeah, I, I see your point, I guess. I can see why you will say I will do what it takes. I, I guess you're in the woods. What else are you going to do, you know? And maybe, I mean, honestly, maybe bugs. Like bugs are gross, but I th- wouldn't yeah. feel as bad. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. My mom is obsessed with that show, like Naked and Survivor or something. Like they put these naked people in the woods for like 20 days and they have to survive and they start killing all these random animals. And I will probably will go vegan if I'm lost in the woods. I'll be the opposite from you. Probably if there's an option, rat. if there's an option, if eating <laughs> grass will work. You know what I haven't heard mentioned, but I guess um, from uh, uh, Bear Grylls, I guess pine cones. I guess pine cones and pine oh. nuts are like, yeah. that's a super good source. Um, so present day, the Taisa mystery deepens where she finds the red paint underneath her son Sammy's bed yeah. and uh, accuses him. Um, then we go to Adam and Shauna at the club. And this was interesting, pointed out on Reddit when they're going into the club where Shauna feels like I'm not cool enough to be here. Why are you bringing me to a place with all these people much younger than us? Adam goes to give Shauna a mask. And what's interesting, I don't know if you noticed this, uh, Shauna puts on the mask for a second and then is like, no, people have pointed out, well, maybe after her time as part of the Antler Queen party and everything they dealt with wearing masks in the woods for cannibalism, maybe Shauna has a very negative association with wearing a mask. I didn't think about that. And I did read a little bit of this. Um, I, I got, you know, I got more into the conspiracies now that I'm all caught up. But she mentioned and, and she makes this reference, which I chuckle. She said, I look like I just got off of a Fifty Shades of Grey um, <laughs> bus tour. And when she said that, I saw it. And, and I just don't see Shauna being... I, I like the idea of her being traumatized by mass. I just don't see her as the person that would just parade that idea around. She always just seems so herself that, you know, and if she's going to do something, she's going to do it. The mask did look like some kind of Fifty Shades of Grey something. <laughs> and she experiences something that I know for, for Generation X, for my generation, we've all experienced of going to the thing that we feel not at first, we feel at first like is okay. And then we have this realization of like, oh, I'm way too old to be here. I could be yes. somebody's parent. Um, I had the experience with my wife, probably <laughs> one of our most, it was actually at Halloween and it was in Brooklyn. It was probably one of the worst Halloween. I, I had a good time, but I understand what my wife did. And we went to see this band, um, Charlie Bliss, that was covering the Josie and the mm-hmm. Pussycat soundtrack, which I love. This is back in 2016. And I sought it out because I was just like, oh my God, I love the Josie and the Pussycat soundtrack. I heard of Charlie Bliss. We went there and we went to essentially what was like a house party, like this venue that, you know, off in Brooklyn, like way out on industrial section. We both get in there yeah. and it was like, oh my God, we're old enough to be somebody's parents. Like yes. I stayed, but it was a very <laughs> weird, I say actually I took video of the show. So Charlie Bliss actually released the video I sent to them that I shot on my phone of their Josie set. But um, the whole time I was like, oh my God, we are old enough 
Like we look like we're here to pick up our kids, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, we all been in that situation. I've been there myself. And the funny part is that I feel like she already felt like she stood out so much because of, you know, her outfit, her looks compared. She said, everybody's so naked. Those were her words. Yeah. Then I feel like she's already going to be drawing attention to herself in her mind. You know, most of us don't pay attention to the people around us nowadays. But I think like she probably felt like the mask would just automatically make everybody stop and stare at her. Oh, yeah, that's quite possibly true. Well, we see some good scenes of uh, Travis and Natalie hunting together back in 96. And mm-hmm. I think this scene is very interesting. And we'll talk about what happens in episode six. But I think this is interesting how um, Natalie is like making Travis less of a dick. And I think yeah. giving him more sensitivity to the situation there, he's making fun of like, oh, your menses are going to scare off the, the wildlife. Uh, I mean, it's like, <laughs> dude, like, here's the thing. Even if, you know, to famously quote kids in the hall sketch, even if you're not a guy with a good attitude towards menstruation, like, well, shit, you better be if if you're like one of three men. Yeah, don't <laughs> joke about it. It's like you like, men don't have to deal with it. And I don't mean to you, men, you, you, but no, it's no, just no, like, no. don't, don't make don't make jokes about it. Like, do you realize how miserable it is to go through that every freaking month? Like, we don't we don't need you to remind us how miserable it is. <laughs> you know, I love, um, there's a couple of, of moments that she really stands up to Travis in a good way, almost like educating him of certain mm-hmm. things. And I really, really enjoyed that aspect of their relationship because you could just tell that Travis maybe just wasn't that knowledgeable, was just saying things to say it. And she made them, she made him see him so differently. And I love, you know, how she kind of like turned around, educated him. And again, I shared this with you in the last episode. It's kind of painful to see the relationship evolve because we already know what the fate of Travis is. So the more that you see them and the more that you start falling in love with the two of them together, it's just kind of like gives you a little bit of a heartache because you already know what, you know, what Nat is going through right now, trying to figure out what happened to him. And credit to the writers, I feel like, you know, we grow up in such a society of gender norms, and I think that a lot of the more toxic male bullshit comes from younger men being around older men who have these antiquated attitudes that are just downright shitty um, and and sexist, um, you know, in a multitude of ways. And I think that in my life, it did take really strong women and really strong female friendships um and relationships that that pushback for a guy is what evolves you and gets that shittiness out of your system and you start to really see it as the antiquated bullshit it is and i love how they're portraying that this is so true to life for my experiences yes Um, i love that you just brought that up because it's so on point yes and i love that you were able to be open-minded and learn from your friends and female relationships that you had in your life I think that's the thing, you know, is like if I look at, you know, where you feel like you were born too late or born too soon. I mean, I really have to commend um, the younger generations with their views on on just on gender, uh, sexuality yeah. and just not conforming to these antiquated ideals. You know, that that's something that I, I'm very um, uh, like envious of. I wish I'd been born into a more open and fluid system rather than the one that I was, you know, which was such a holdover. Um, So big plot development in that Misty, when she goes to pick up Natalie for their hacker contact, uh, brings an aromatic diffuser that looks like an owl. We'll talk about this later in the episode. But uh, yes, uh, beware (laughs) of Misty bearing gifts. Um, (laughs) 
Sammy is going through his Halloween candy. Uh, Thaisa and her wife uh, accuse him of the paint. Sammy, of course, denies everything. Sammy's saying, hey, it's the lady in the tree, mom. It's all the lady in the tree. Um, uh, if I were a child watching this. If I were a child watching this, that would be my excuse for everything going forward. You didn't do your homework. It was the lady in the tree. I would just, you know. Listen, I'm staying with my mom in the countryside of Puerto Rico. I'm blaming the lady or whatever is on the tree for everything. Um, we see Natalie and Misty ciphering, uh, siphoning gas. Uh, they go in to meet the hacker contact. And the hacker's a little kind of stereotypical male nerd, but okay, whatever. Um, hacker's freaked out because it's a policeman's email that he hacked into. He wants in on whatever they're doing to get the file. And Misty pour, proceeds to pour the gasoline over him. Natalie uh, threatens to light him on fire. And he gives over the fire uh, file very quickly, says, you're crazy. And then Natalie has to get the line in when they're leaving, saying, you two should date. You have so much in common to Misty. <laughs> I think it happened earlier in the episode, but there was like the perfect line when um, Natalie's trying to get how does Misty have this contact? And I think Misty says, or, or she says, who is this guy? And Misty says, oh, I don't know. We only know each other by our citizen detective handles, <laughs> chat handles. <laughs> oh my God, what a perfect, I, I just love Misty so much. Well, <laughs> she has this contact that she really doesn't really have. <laughs> it is funny though. I mean, when you think about it, okay, so for me, not as much. I made a conscious decision for most of my media stuff just to use my name because I'd written under my name. Like it just, you know, it made sense. But I do think there was a time, especially when chat room handles, or, or I mean, even in your case, like a Twitter handle, like your online name can yeah. almost become your identity more than your real name. So it is very interesting to sort of see right. how this uh, plays into the storyline. Yeah, it's funny because I personally did it just because I had a corporate job when I started like creating content and it was around wrestling. And I just, I wanted to separate that from, you know, me having fun talking about wrestling and sports and other things clearly like we're doing now. So that's where the whole Demon Diva thing came out. But it's just funny because now even people in my normal everyday life call me Demon Diva. And I'm like, can you stop? Like, it's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Isa, <laughs> you know, but I never thought that it would take on a whole you know thing of its own but it did so i can i it, that is how it goes but oh my god like your 1990s handles we were just talking about that me and my best friend were talking about our msn messenger handles or emails like my first email was like guess of a hot like fire at hotmail.com and i thought that was the shit <laughs> come on you had it what was yours Oh, I'm trying to remember. I mean, there were like stupid ones where it was like vid game guy or, you know, just like things where, yeah, yeah, it could, it could get bad. I mean, so my, my really bad one, um, that I came up with that I use, I used this when I was in my band and, uh, we, we, you know, we had a hip hop influence in my, my MC name. I was same as my screen name is like G man. Uh, and, uh, Oh, I still cringe when people try and bring that up or call me that or things like that. You know, oh, my man. I'm gonna I'm gonna change you on my contact. I'm gonna be G-Man. G-Man on my contact. Yes. <laughs> the better one, my partner in hip hop uh, at the time, Jeff Gersman, chose. There was a sign that we would see on the freeway for a company called U.S. Pipe, and he chose that as his hip-hop name and it was u.s pipe that he said stood for ulysses s pipe <laughs> i was like okay that's much more creative than i am 
you know? <laughs> from the side of the freeway. That from is the side creative. of the freeway. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, there, there are worse influences. Um, so, oh, this made me so happy. Uh, Van and Thaisa, their relationship. We'd seen them exchange meaningful glances, but it is mm-hmm. on and it is happening. And um, yeah. Yeah, like it's just so nice to see this portrayal of their relationship. And I and did you get the impression this had been going on before the crash? Yes. Yes. I, I think I I thought so. I don't know if we'll find out more or not, but I, I definitely thought that this wasn't a first time we are experimenting out here in the woods kind of thing. It just seems it seemed very evolved and very caring of each other than for it to have just started now. No, you know what great. I mean? Where with with um Nat and Travis were seeing them evolve and, and getting to each other because of the situation that they're in. Here it just feels like they have a deeper connection that must have gone before gone on before the crash. And it is interesting because you look at it by today's standard and you just say, well, this is completely normal. I mean, you look at how they treat Tyson and her wife, you go, that's completely normal. And then you almost have to remind yourself, oh, they're sneaking around because it was 1996 and people were still not as universally cool. Or right. accepting or open as they are, right? Now. Which Van makes a reference saying, "What well, you're, you know, when she asked her to lower her voice, that oh, yeah. asked her to lower her voice." Van asked, "What you're afraid of? You know what people are going to think?" And Taisa very unapologetically herself says, "No, I just don't want the drama." I agree. You're already out there. There's already a lot of drama going on. Why bring this into like you know everything else going on? I don't think that Taisa was ever embarrassed or afraid to, you know, admit who she is. Yeah, and it's um it's very interesting to me because uh, you know I spent part of my youth growing up in Michigan and seeing like what the attitudes were there, and then we moved uh, before that and after that in the Bay Area in Northern California, and mm-hmm. it's like it's just almost a reminder that it's like. But even there, um, it was not as like universally accepted to to be out, um, you know, with with who you are, and uh, yeah, it's interesting to see how they're playing that, um, and I like seeing that this relationship develops um we then go back to present day where shauna thinks she sees jackie so we have another jackie ghost sighting goes to follow her and this was interesting that it turns out when shauna follows her it is her daughter callie who is wearing jackie's uniform that she stole from her mom shauna out of her closet we find out that uh, jackie's parents gave it to shauna on what would have been jackie's 40th birthday um what do you make of this i mean first off of all the clubs in the world what are the odds that adam takes shauna to the one that her daughter is at i mean the same odds of him being at the same hotel she was at but hey (laughs) i'm so i'm suspicious of everyone um isn't that every teenage kid like biggest nightmare to get caught in the club or whatever party where you're doing illegal things by your parents I related so much to Callie here where I was like, oh, no, I remember. I never been in that situation. Well, my older sister, which she used to torture me for the longest time when she caught me doing things I shouldn't because, you know, she would, like, use it against me. But never by my parent. But that is such a fear. I'm sorry. It's, I feel bad for her. Well, um, in every parent's fear when you're having an affair that you're going to go with your... <laughs> Your 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 lover, your side piece. You're going to go to the club where your children are. I think cross generational fear. It all makes sense. So uh, Shauna dismisses Adam to uh, talk to her daughter, who is tripping on Molly. Now, did you pick up on this? People 
have speculated that Adam and Callie share a look and Callie perhaps even nods at Adam in a way that might suggest there is some connection between them. I didn't pick up on that. I, I read a couple of things speculating about it. I personally didn't pick up on it and I just rewatched it and I still didn't see a connection there that will make me think there's something, you know, be, not between the two of them, but a nod or anything like that. I personally didn't see it. Um, I think that what I saw between the two of them was more of a Kali being shocked like that. This is not anything close to the behavior she would expect her mom to act like. That's what I got out of that. Like, why are you in the club? Who is this young guy you're with? That's what I got out of that. Yeah. Well, we'll talk more. And am I hallucinating? She was probably thinking she was hallucinating because she's stripping on Molly. That's true. Uh, we cut from this to Tice talking to her wife and uh, essentially talking about the toll this is taking. Tice is going to drop out of the campaign, given the toll this is taking on her family. And then Misty uh, giving Coach some tea. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Uh, it's so awkward. <laughs> it is so awkward. And then Jackie's in the attic where there are the symbols. Uh, the haunted attic that everyone except for Van and Sean are afraid to sleep in. People are afraid of the spirit in the attic. Um, and Jackie, like, <laughs> I mean, this I think maybe is tells you everything you need to know about the character of Jackie, where it's like, hey, everybody, I've got a great idea. Let's have a seance. Yeah. <laughs> this was a point where my wife looked at me and was like, yeah, I'm killing and eating her first. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> no because i personally will be the one trying to do the science <laughs> i will be the one saying let's invoke some spirit <laughs> oh you'd be having the seance be. there would be no need for jackie to come up with the idea i think you no, are no, very i would already be oh i would already be like bfs with the ghost at yeah. this point so yeah but i i i i thought it was funny because i was like why didn't anybody think of it before <laughs> Yes, but this is what Jackie thinks she contributes to the group. Let's have a seance. Hey, listen, it, it was all fun and games until. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, we get uh, more flashbacks with Nat and Travis and they're, they're hunting. We then get Natalie present day with Misty looking through the files uh, about Travis's death. Okay, so what do you think of this? Misty, was it almost too fast? how she noticed the symbol on the floor, put the photos of the floor together and drew the symbol from the woods, from the trees in the cabin. I mean, do you think Misty, do you think something more was up than just Misty making a brilliant observation that somebody drew that symbol, laid out candles and did that where Travis was killed? Yes, I think um, <clears throat> maybe she already had the file before. I don't know. I, I think there's something more here. I don't think she could come up with that just that fast the way that he that he was portrayed in the show yeah it, like th this is probably my first tip off to like maybe misty's up to more than we know um right then we go to the seance and uh blood and dirt <laughs> dear blood and dirt uh being put in x's on everyone's foreheads like let me ask you this can you do a seance during the day maybe at a less creepy scary time of day perhaps no no it's not the you don't get the same effect from it <laughs> You need there to be scared. Certain, yeah, and there are certain times of the day where there's you are more likely to get in tune with a ghost or a spirit. It, it, it has been proven. 
Yes. Um, <laughs> asking questions about classmates. Misty wants to know if her crush has the same feelings in return, which is answered yes. Uh, Javi coming up and bumming everyone out, saying, are we going to survive Javi, all this? Why? He killed the vibe. He killed the vibe real quick. Uh, we cut downstairs to where Laura <laughs> Lee is reading the plane ma manual for the Cessna. Uh, Ty, who is not participating in the seance, says, don't even think about flying that. And Laura Lee puts out... the that her grandfather, who could barely read or write, could fly a Cessna. How hard could it be? Perhaps foreshadowing some developments that will be happening. Right. Um, Ty does go upstairs. Coach Ben is downstairs as well, drinking the tea that Misty gave him. And then we get, oh man, the big, the big moment um, where Lottie appears possessed all the candles are blown out so with the seance hey, if they're raising a spirit it appears to be working the candles are blown out lottie starts speaking in french uh pointing out, everyone's pointing out it's like she didn't speak french you know like they like but she's saying like it it wants blood it's already inside you to shauna i mean okay you like the occult in these sort of scenes how did this rank for you in terms of overall creepiness and foreboding I, I thought they did a good job. They didn't overdo it with the creepy factor. And, and because of Lottie just being straight up weird, it just worked that it was her, the one delivering the message. And there was a little bit of a humor when they were trying to get Jackie to like translate when Jackie was like, I suck at French too. <laughs> so I thought that, that I thought it was, it was a good balance between everything going on. I liked it. Well, and we'll talk more about Lottie as we get into episode six and her backstory. We have seen that, she was on medication. Um, it appears as if she's off it now, and we will talk more about how that factors in. But this is the the confirmation. Lottie has had these bad feelings. Now there is something else there mm -hmm. with them, perhaps, that wants blood, uh, is already inside Shauna. Yes. Like, this is laying, I think, a big development on the supernatural elements of this show. Right. Yes. Um. We then, if Lottie is possessed, Laura Lee trying goes upstairs uh, with the Bible, trying to get the devil out of her. And when prayers and all other language fails, just throw the Bible at someone, and apparently they'll snap right out of the possession. <laughs> the exorcist priest, should I try that, man? Sir, I, I love that. That was just such a great, fun little detail. Um, I mean, the show clearly has a very good sense of humor. It was so good. Um, Would you not done that? Throw the hey, I when all fails, I throw the Bible. That. I would have probably, yeah, yeah, 1000% or knock them out. And speaking of uh exorcisms and the exorcist, then Coach Ben just starts like projectile vomiting after drinking the tea that Misty gave him that was making him not feel so well. Yeah, because she's probably poisoning him. Yes, my theory. Uh, well, <laughs> okay, so Ty in present day is ready to end the campaign. She has a vision of the wolf, the vision of the man with no eyes, and decides that I am not dropping out of this campaign, reveals the, the bullying messages that were painted on her doorstep, and is more determined than ever to stay in. Uh, seeming like, you know, this kind of goes on what you said earlier. You said it was a very good point where you said, you know, Ty has this strength. And I think what we see here, mm -hmm. um, similar to what we saw in the soccer field with Allie in the first episode, we see that when Ty feels... Yes like she's being pushed or at risk of losing something like this is a hundred percent the person you want on your side because she has this strength that is just yeah. unparalleled. Yes. And I, um, I love this thing and it was weird because I felt very 50, 50. I felt bad for her family. 
you know, her wife and Sammy because they're like sitting there thinking she's going to quit the campaign and come be with the family, come be a mom again. But I can relate to her saying, no, I'm not going to let this bullying or this dark path of mine that keeps haunting me stop me from what I'm trying to accomplish. Because we do get to, I, I feel like we learned that she's running because she's trying to change things and do the right thing and, and just put something new out there. And in politics, that's important too. But, you know, I, I felt weird because I thought this was such a boss moment of her, like oh, kind of yeah. like having that strength. But at the same time, it's like, oh, you're going to be in the doghouse now, you know? <laughs> you're going to be sleeping with the wolves tonight. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and this is then presented back to back with Coach Ben confronting Misty, saying, you tried to poison me. And Misty's response is to start saying, I have these feelings. And it's like, Okay, girl, first off, um, if someone's trying to poison you, you know, like, and you want to have a conversation about something, like, it's not like she's trying to justify it. Like, well, you don't understand I have these feelings for you, and you don't like me, so I thought I would murder you. Like, interesting place her brain goes. Did you ever meet, like, didn't you ever meet the kid in school that would, like, beat up the girl or the boy that they liked because <laughs> they didn't know how to express their love? <laughs> Maybe that's what's going on with Misty here. You know, maybe this is her way of trying to express her love for him. <laughs> Through poisonous mushrooms. But okay, here's yes. the okay, here's the crazy shit though. Coach Ben in the moment has to make a decision. Uh, it appears like, what is he going to do? He could try and give her the talk of like, I don't feel this way about you. This would never work. He could try and give that talk of just, like we talked about before, when you have the awkward crush on someone much too old for you and they need to kind of like pat you on the head and bring you back down to earth and say like, you'll find somebody right. your age one day. You'll be happy. But Coach Ben decides to go in a 180 degree different direction and say, I have feelings for you as well, but I couldn't live with myself if this happened. I'm your coach. It's inappropriate. It's against the law. Uh, giving her these reasons of saying, I feel the same thing for you, but I just can't act on it. We have to keep this a secret. Yeah, I was very um, shocked by this development because like, he just seems so against her and terrified of her at the same time that I didn't think he was having those feelings. Um, so I this threw me on a loop. I will say that. I wasn't expecting him to say, yeah, I like you too. <laughs> like, I was like, what? Like, he's making your life a living hell right now. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is like an interesting third way, and and I'm surprised. That, and like this is obviously like the worst decision probably in the long run that Coach Ben could have made. But most shows would do one of two things: they would either have him give the speech, like it's not right, it's yeah. not okay, I'm too old, I don't see you that way, you're my student. We we've heard it before. Or they could go the other right. way and have Coach Ben be like, "Hey, we're out in the woods," and just Coach Ben decides to become a scumbag. And uh, just go for it, you know, because he's, you know, a male right. with bad instincts and bad impulse control, um, you know, doing something that's criminal in a situation where, yeah, but you know, with him being with so injured, yeah. with him being so injured, you can't go in that direction of him, like really fully going for his feelings other than just expressing them. He's like dying, <laughs> you know, yeah. so I, I wonder if he didn't have his leg amputated. And I know that's not part of the story, but maybe it would have gone in that direction. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that, you know, we we see a little bit in the next episode, maybe another little shade of, of yeah. Coach Ben. Um, but mm -hmm. this is like, I think in the long run, this is going to be a, end up being a very, very bad decision for him, um, given that it is universally accepted that Coach Ben is lying here to get Missy to stop poisoning him. Yes. I mean... 
Good point. Okay, I see that. If he that would've... makes all the sense, actually. Now you got me thinking because he's like he he's trying to survive. He knows that she's trying to kill him. So why not say apologies for the fireworks outside if you hear them? But um, why not just say that? Hey, I like you too. So maybe she stops and doesn't finish killing him. Yeah. I mean, because I'm thinking about this now. He could have he could have told other the other teammates and be like, look, Misty has this these feelings for me that ain't happening, but she's trying to poison me. Um, can somebody please deal with her, talk to her? Like we need to do something as a group. Like th- that would have been messy in other ways, but I think that maybe that would have been yeah. the most responsible choice. Instead, he is feeding and fueling her fantasy, which I'm just going to put out there now is probably not going to work out for him best in the long run. And I don't need spoilers or anyone to tell me anything. I'm just assuming coach Ben, like, yes, is not long for this world. Maybe. No, I mean, he's already in, not in the best shape and the most injured out of all of them. So, no, I agree with you on that. Yeah. Um. So, present day, we had seen Shauna actually have some really nice bonding moments with Callie the night before. Yes. They were talking about things. I mean, it was like almost beautiful how they make Callie seem like such a terrible person given what happens next. Because right. it really seemed like her and her mom were gaining ground. So the next morning, Callie uh, tries to uh, just blow up things with her mom and blackmail her mother, saying, "You're, I'm going to take Uber rides wherever, and I don't have a curfew. And if you cross me, I know I'm going to tell dad that you're having an affair. Um, is Callie the least likable character on this show? No. No, she's just a teenage girl. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. About- um, the, the reporter. The reporter. Oh, Jessica Roberts. Jessica Roberts yeah, is just doing her job. Just doing her job. But uh, okay. So here in the game of F Mary Kill, here is the scene that like just Fs so hard. Where in response yes. to this, Shauna, Melanie Linsky, give her all the Emmys and all the awards for this scene. Explains to her beautiful. daughter that say, okay, go ahead and tell dad. There's $12,000 in your college fund. I wish it was more. That's what's going to cost for us to get divorced. So you're not going to college first and foremost. Second, uh, no one is lonelier in this world than a recent divorcee. So you are going to be spending all your weeks with me and all your weeks with your very lonely father who's going to be depressed post-divorce. And then finally, when he turns it around and takes care of himself, he's going to come to you for dating advice because the women he's going to date are undeniably going to be your age and he wants your perspective on this. So please go ahead and tell your dad everything. And let's just speed up this process. Ah, uh, what a moment. I clapped. I clapped when I saw this thing. <laughs> this was so, like. I thought it was so good. So good. And I know that, you know, sometimes when a writer writes something, they're writing almost like wish fulfillment of like, oh, this is what I think I could say, but it's very unrealistic. Like Melanie Linsky is so good. No that she just makes this so believable that Shauna is this smart, has put this together and is able to check mate her daughter. And like the best 100%. part is as someone that comes from a divorced household and my parents divorced around the age that Callie is, she was so on point with everything. <laughs> so good. So I thought, you know, you're going to have people that maybe might be divorced. You might have people that come from a divorced household and you're going to have so many people relate to that moment in the conversation that, that if you're Callie, you're going to be like, all right, I'm out. You know, I thought it was perfect. It was so perfect. And the way she delivered the line. Ah, oh, amazing. She's amazing. She's a great character and, and she's playing it so well. 
And she does such a good job. She calls Jeff in and says, our daughter wants to tell you something. And then Kelly confesses for sneaking out and being on Molly. And like, yeah, oh, oh, this was so like, and I the think only about thing this. that I yeah. didn't like, the huh. only thing that I didn't like about seeing, and I'm nitpicking at this point is that Jeff walks in so fast that it makes you wonder, was he in the next room? Did he hear the whole conversation already? Because he was there in like a second. Yeah. So that's, and that's me just nitpicking. Oh my God. And I've talked about this before on uh, the other podcast we do. I, I have like, th- I think about what Callie's being threatened with. I think about my parents' divorce in like the mid eighties and like being like 12 years old, spending my weekend with my father where he just drove around sulking about things not yes. working out with his new girlfriend and listening on repeat to Michael Bolton's, how can we be lovers when we can't be friends? And I'm just sitting there in the car and I'm just like, oh, good Lord, kill me now. Like they couldn't have stayed together. Like this is awful. This is absolutely awful. And Callie, that oh is the God. world you're in. Or your dad goes through like a new girlfriend every other month and they want you to meet them and you go in there, and you know, you're going to hate them. It's the worst. It's the worst. If I was Callie, I would confess to and I would be like, I don't want no part of that. Let them stay together even though they're miserable. I, I will like, I'll do you one further. My dad would date women that had kids and then would take us all out together on the date. Oh, no. No, 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 no. The only saving <laughs> grace of this is one of the girls was like a year older than me. And one time we were bored and she just started kissing me. And that was like my first real kiss. Like when I was like 10 or 11 years old. But aside from that, it was awful. Oh my God, awful. but this could have been your stepsister. Well, it, look, knowing my dad, I just knew it was a matter of time till he screwed it up. Okay, you know? okay, okay. So then... Okay, get some. Yeah, yeah I mean, but <laughs> not from that though. It was all just misery. Uh, okay, so Callie did bring up one point to Shauna though of saying like, okay, you're hooking up with this guy. What does he know about you? Because your information is out there. So right. Shauna Googles herself, and we find out some things from these um, screenshots, these Google results. One is that uh, you know we see universally that all of the survivors wanted privacy. Uh, many have shied away from public life. We see there was a lawsuit against the uh, airplane uh, or the airline that caused the crash. But then we also get an interesting uh, tidbit there in a link to a Yellow Jacket subreddit where somebody says like, hey, are any of the survivors single? Like, because I was kind of near their age. Like, maybe Adam has a thing. Maybe he's had a thing for the Yellow Jacket survivors for a long time. And this is all part of his plan. I mean, maybe, you never know. But I love the attention to detail on the Google search and like the things that they put in there because I do think that they think about every little detail on this show. I have major respect for how they pay attention to detail. So I was paying attention to every single thing that popped up on that Google search. Um, And then we get Natalie who calls Thais over to, to share what um, Misty had found with the symbol. While they are there... Two important developments. They both get a text message from an unknown number. This is gather $50,000 in cash and await further instructions. Do not discuss this with your teammates. I will know. And then they drew out the symbol, the, the, the triangle head man symbol and ASCII art, which is old school. Yeah. Um, and they are discussing this where then we see, uh, you know, should we tell Misty? Natalie starts like talking some shit about Misty. And then we see that that owl diffuser that Misty brought over to Natalie's has a camera hidden in it. And Misty's sitting around with a yeah. bird Caligula, literally eating popcorn while spying on her friend. Amazing. She's so smart. One step ahead of everyone. Very interesting. I mean, I'm just going to put this out there as theory. I don't think this is, uh, I don't think anything in episode six confirms this, but 
There is a popular theory. I think people were joking about this at first, but if you look at the Callie Adams situation, there is a theory that Callie or Jeff could have something to do with this blackmail plot. If we go back to that first episode, Shauna's safe. The password's 2525. You could tip that thing over on the ground and everything would come spilling out of it. Jeff's having inventory problems with his business. Callie, we've learned, has no money for college. Um, Maybe it's not so far-fetched that either or both of them, perhaps in cahoots with Adam, could have something to do with this blackmail plot. Uh, Yeah, I I thought theory about it being Shauna, the one behind everything, just to add more funds to, you know, like Callie's college fund or whatever. But yeah, I've seen a lot of theories about this and it's something that, um, it's probably what's going on. I mean, we'll see. We don't know what's going on. But yeah, I see this theory. So, episode six. We <gasps> open with a flashback to Lottie. Here we are, Issa. We're caught up. We can now speculate about everything because we're not going to spoil anything. Right. Be so b- okay, episode six is a banger. Like, this is so good. We open with Lottie and we get this backstory that essentially tells us her parents put, a, put her on meds because she was claiming to have visions or premonitions. And we see in this opening scene that she predicts a car accident. And by her freaking out as a child, her parents avoid them getting in the accident. What did you think of this development? And I know we had this debate in an earlier episode. Does this confirm for you the Yellow Jackets? I mean, does this episode as a whole, but does this development confirm for you the Yellow Jackets is a supernatural show? Uh, Yeah, but I also just felt like she just has like some kind of like a sixth sense you know, um, that obviously her parents just try to live to not act like their daughter have some kind of special natural gift. But yeah, I think it's a little bit between premonition, supernatural, and just like a like a sixth sense. Yeah, well, I mean, sixth sense is supernatural. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think this but is it's very... not like she's talking to ghosts. She's predicting the future. So it depends <laughs> on how you see supernatural. You know, I guess she gets possessed too, kind of, but. I mean, I think the the biggest theory is just that, and and I I don't know if we're speculating right now or not, but I think the biggest theory is that she's the end queen, and I think that a lot of people are leaning towards that. Well, and there were visuals in this episode, and and this isn't a spoiler because they don't give anything away, but there are visuals in this episode that um definitely have her like in front of the antlers. I mean, right? You know, we've talked about this. Like, look, I think body. Shauna, Taisa, Jackie. I mean, we just basically know that it's not Misty, but I think that of the other four, like I think any of them could be the antler queen and that would be right. satisfying. You know, Jackie is the most popular. Taisa is the strongest. Shauna as um, like this sort of emerging leader who I think is going to unseat Jackie uh, at right. some point. Um, you know, like and Lottie because of her connection to the the other world um like there might be something there uh we do uh yeah it's it's interesting though it's an interesting um angle that they're going with this um the idea that her parents almost put her on medication to like suppress her gift which is right and we talked about this we and we did talk about a previous episode part of what we i think both love about this series is we show how the main characters are all dealing I mean, like haunted is kind of a loaded word, but they're all dealing with this baggage, these things that drive them based on their past. I think with Lottie feeling like she has um, 
this sixth sense, as you say it, but it's always been seen as something that has to be suppressed by your parents. Like that'll right. give somebody issues. I mean, if you have ADHD, that will give you issues. You know, anything that requires like serious medication, especially when you're younger, it's hard to have a feel good relationship with that. Right. But if you, what you have isn't necessarily an illness and it's a natural gift and you're getting it kind of like taken down by medications that you don't need. It's, it's very complicated and it's a lot, especially if it's like a supernatural gift. There's no medication that can really, I mean, there is, but you, you see where I'm going with this. It's oh, just yeah. like, because we see her, the longer that she's in the wilderness without her medicines, the more these things start happening to her. So, you know, why didn't her parents just, and, and we see that scene with the parents arguing about what to do with her. And it's just like the mom feels like she doesn't want to take her to a psychiatrist. She understands that there are things in this world that we can't understand, but it's the dad that keeps pushing to just take her to a psychiatrist. And yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. It's very interesting. Uh, then mm-hmm. we do see Lottie present or in 96 having a vision of uh, the deer with bloody antlers in the woods. Yes. Um, which creepy and definitely will be addressed later in the episode. Um we then have the credits um, and we go to Shauna going to the hotel to meet up with uh, Natalie and Thaisa um, and essentially deciding like how they're going to deal with the scenario. And there's even talk of like, should we bring Misty in on this? And uh, the team does not, the three of them do not seem uh, interested in doing so. Yes. Yes. I loved um, Shauna here. It's another part that I feel like she delivers the line so well because she's not aware of anything going on up until this point. And I think yeah, she no says something mail. like, right, when she says something like, is there anything else that I need to know? Or Travis being murdered, you guys being blackmail and this one playing buddy cup with Misty. <laughs> Does that cover it all? And I'm like, Damn. <laughs> they really kept a lot from her. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, we see Misty stealing medication and leaving her uh, place of work. Um, we then learn that Shauna and Jeff are going to have lunch with Jackie's parents. They're going to have brunch with Jackie's parents on a weekday. Oh, my God. To celebrate Jackie's yes. birthday. Yes. Oh, and then, okay, what did you think of this dream sequence where <laughs> the, the Yellow Jackets are in uniform? Misty is Shauna's birth coach. Jackie is there. And Shauna gives birth to a chicken, which then she immediately starts eating. Yeah, I thought it was great. <laughs> I couldn't figure out what Misty was holding. I didn't know if it was like a deformed baby. And then you have Jackie like kind of like coaching her through it. And because you don't know at first that this is like a vision, you don't know if you're seeing, you know, what really went on in the woods. And I'm like, does Jackie know? And then she just gives birth to food that she started eating. And I'm like, oh, well, that's disturbing. <laughs> There are moments in this show where I'm able to almost have this this extreme moment of self-awareness. I don't know if you've had this yet, where there are moments in the show where you think that you've recommended the show to so many people and they're watching it and they're seeing this and they're thinking like, why in the hell did they think I would like this? Like, wh- why did they recommend this show to me? Like, this was one of those moments where I was, I was going on about the show to my mom, telling my mom, like, you gotta oh, check no. it out. Like, here's my Showtime account. Like, there's moments where I think my mom's going to be watching this and thinking, like, who did I raise that this is the type of thing they're recommending to me? This was one of those moments. Yeah. 
I uh, I was watching it with my mom as well, and it was so funny because you know I'm kind of like kind of like letting her know because we're watching it with the Spanish captions, and some of it doesn't translate the right oh, way, yeah. so I'm trying to explain things to her. But the concerning thing here is that my mom is like, I don't, I think we're on episode two, and she's like, yeah, the show is right up your alley, and I was like, the fact that my mom knows that I'm into all this dark stuff, and she just accepted it at this point, I don't know if that's even more concerning. Like, I want my mom to still worry and say, why do you watch this? But no, she was like. Yeah, this looks like something you would enjoy. And I'm like, wow, what kind of person am I? <laughs> yeah, it's very uh, interesting. But then do your parents ever surprise you? Like I've before, like my mom was staying with us for a while and she'd be watching like Game of Thrones or Sopranos or something like really bloody and violent. I would just be like, this is the woman that I couldn't watch a movie with that had swearing or nudity, you know, up until the age of 18. Yeah. And now I walk in on you and you're just watching like, the most hard R stuff, you know? No, my dad is the biggest baby when it comes to this kind of stuff. And I remember when The Exorcist was re-released, I told you how much I love that movie. Yeah. So I, you remember when they did that special edition? I think it was maybe in 07. I can't remember. I know it was re-released, so I made my dad take me to see it. And he got up to refill our popcorn and drinks at least 20 times. And the rest of the time, he was just looking down. Like My dad would not watch anything like that. My mom does like certain things, but not not to that extent. No, that I'm the only one. My sister hates it too. I don't know why I'm the only one in this family that's into like dark, sadistic stuff. Well, we do get a very nice moment with Van and with Ty back in '96, where they're uh, bathing, um, if not the lake, like one of the the ponds or streams nearby. And we do get foreshadowing with Van noticing that Ty's fingernails are very dirty. Yes. Yes. We do get, and she says she has no idea how they got that dirty. And at this point, I am loving the relationship even more. But because we're six episodes in and we haven't seen adult Van, I can't help but start speculating. Where does this end? I think Van, I mean, Van early on was a pick for if there's a survivor who's blackmailing them. Like, it's Van who stayed in the woods off the grid and is just you know, for whatever reason, trying to draw them back into this. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Because Van was also the one that they felt was trying to leave behind to die. Yeah. And what, see, that's the thing. I think Van never assumed Van is dead. That's, we've seen right. twice her escape two right. moments. So that's, I, a good, that's, a good, that's a good point. But I don't know. I like the more than I love seeing them together, the more that I can't help but to think, oh my God, we haven't seen Van as an adult yet what happens here do i want to get invested into them as a couple i don't know <laughs> yeah i'm very invested um taisa goes back and talks to shauna and uh shauna is you know uh taisa knows that Shauna's pregnant uh shauna is so afraid of jackie finding out this and jackie then uh or no worries shauna then um starts talking about terminating the pregnancy and oh, this is just this whole storyline is so tough to watch, but we can clearly see mm-hmm. for her where Jackie finding out about this is, is perhaps a fate worse than death in her mind. Um, right. We flash to brunch for Jackie's birthday with Jackie's parents. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they're a delight. No. <laughs> Uh, you can definitely see where Jackie gets her putting other people down attitude from. Oh my God. Now she does, to what we talked about, the theory of what Jeff is up to, she does say that Jeff and Shauna have a very big anniversary coming up soon, which in my mind 
Jeff was at that hotel with a party planner planning an anniversary party. And that's going to be the big misunderstanding. Oh, good one. Okay. It's possible. Oh my God. That's a good one, Glenn. I didn't think about that. Okay. Yes. Um, but we have this, I mean, just, oh my God, just they're offering, I mean, they're really doing everything they can to like, you even make themselves even better than Shauna and Jeff. Like, Oh, you, we'll pay for Callie's college, like putting them in this subservient position to, uh, I mean, they're just like, if they weren't such jerks, it would be a nice touch, but you know, they're doing it because they think they're not good enough to be able to afford to send their daughter to college. It's and not under- out of the kindness of their heart. <laughs> well, and I understand, you know, they, they lost Jackie. We, we have every assumption that Jackie is not alive in the present day. We don't know when um, that happened, but yeah, I mean, this is just such a tough scene to watch, and I've known pe- I've known people like this that will do this this backwards or backhanded like insult, you know, compliments that are really insults. I mean, this is just so tough to watch these scenes. Yeah, because I feel like they're um, they're making it look like it's a nice thing to do, but it's almost like trying to give Shauna survivor's guilt at this point. I feel like they feel like Shauna was not like Jackie should have survived and not Shauna. Yeah, like, and just talking mm-hmm. about how smart she was, basically makes it seem like, yeah, Shauna was the, the sidekick, the wind beneath uh, Jackie's wings, so to speak. You ever really yeah. pay attention to the lyrics to the wind beneath my wings? Like, I would be very pissed if I was the the car- the person that Bette Miller was singing that to. Right, right, yes. Like, yes. you think you're better than me? Like, that's what I'm getting out of this, you know? Right, right. Uh, <laughs> same, uh, same. I always listen to that song, and I'm like, why would anybody even try to sing this song? Like. Why are you being so crappy to the person you're singing it to? You know that song is one of the most played songs at funerals? Like it has been since its release? Like my wife has told me if if I were to play that song at my wife's funeral, she will find a way to come back from the netherworld and haunt me and cause my demise. She would take it as that much of a Well, tell her, to call, tell her to call me and I'll do the science. <laughs> See, there you go. Um, so we <laughs> contrast this with a uh, scene of Jackie and Shauna uh, talking about Shauna, uh, Jackie's relationship with Jeff. Uh, Jackie confirming she's not had sex with Jeff. Um, and uh, it's interesting. It's interesting to get this this context. And then uh, speaking of which, we see Nat, uh, Natalie and Travis about to have sex uh, while they're making out. And... Um, uh, or, or they're making out in the scene, not having sex, but yeah, it's, they're definitely going down that road. Right. Um, and then we see what happens later in that episode, but they come back. Everybody assumes they're, they're doing it and saying like, is this why we don't have any food? Because, uh, you're, uh, you guys are too busy, uh, exploring each other rather than the wilderness. Uh, Jackie right. <laughs> starts tossing some shit at Natalie. They get into it. Natalie's saying, you're jealous of me. Um, and then we get, and Natalie downplaying what's happening, but then Misty says to Natalie, I understand I have a secret boyfriend too. And I was like, oh my God, this is so <laughs> going to just blow up in everyone's face so yes. soon. How do they not know who she's talking about at this point? Because, but they've made jokes before about her giving him a sponge bath. Like this right, is not a right. news flash to anyone that Misty is right. really into Coach Ben. Right. Uh, Thais is trying to get money out of the bank account to pay the blackmailer, but uh, she can't do it because she doesn't have her wife's consent or signature. Uh, mm-hmm. Thaisa and her wife are talking about taking Sammy to therapy, which we uh, do see play out later in the episode. Okay, big scene, big mythology scene, big 
where is this all going scene? And I admit I have fully fueled this. I am responsible for helping fuel this fire and the speculation. Um, Shauna goes to Jackie's room and picks yes. up Jackie's journal. Okay, so we see a list of songs that like are yes. Jackie's favorite songs. Now, one of them is by the Spice Girls Wannabe. Here's what's interesting about this. I tweeted with Ashley, co-creator of the show, some joke about saying, oh, the girls went missing in 96. You know, the biggest tragedy, aside from the cannibalism and the murder, is that they're going to miss out on Spice Mania taking over the U.S. And then Ashley responded with like, oh, wasn't that in 96? And I was like, oh, no, Wannabe didn't hit in the U.S. till early 97. And Ashley said, okay, prepare for a light anachronism in the show. Like there might be something that's out of date. So seeing Wannabe there, when I saw that, I was like, ah, that's what Ashley was talking about. How could Jackie know about the Spice Girls in 96? They weren't even out in the the UK until summer of 96. There's no way Jackie could have journaled that. But then we get the bigger uh, potential anachronism, or is it foreshadowing? There are some movies on Jackie's list of favorite movies, like The Craft that came out later in 96 after they crashed. But the most uh, uh, damning piece of evidence that either was a huge production error or is foreshadowing is that Jackie has a list saying movie characters I would be. First one, Rose Dawson from Titanic. Titanic did not come out till the yes. December of 97. Rose Dawson Titanic also uses a tragedy to fake her death and assume a new life. So get your thinking caps on there. Um, she also has listed Cat uh, uh, Stratford from 10 Things I Say About You that came out in 1999. Uh, uh, Mina Savari's character from American Beauty, which came out in 99. But the big one. Torrent Shipman from Bring It On that came out in August of nine or, or August of the year two thousand. This is either a huge production yeah. error or Jackie survived, came back, and wrote in her journal. Which do you think it is? Yeah. So originally, before I started going down the list of every song and everything, I was like, okay, so maybe she took the journal with her because they were out there for a while. But I'm like, okay, but how is she seeing this movie or listening to this music, right? Um, my favorite theory out of all this is that she did die in the wilderness, but she's a time traveler. So she comes back and writes in her journal. I, I did see this in the subreddit. I just want you to know. And I was like, you know what? I just watched Avengers Endgame. There was a lot of, of time traveling there. So maybe that's why I kind of popped for that. I, I still think that Jackie didn't survive the wilderness. So I don't know if this is like, uh, like supernatural. Jackie's still writing in her journal because we see Shauna still have conversations with Jackie. So, you know. So the creators have a five-year plan for this show. This has, the, like, I was tweeting out these screenshots. People were posting these screenshots. Like, I, I the first thing I did after I finished the episode was go back and get screenshots of this last Saturday night when the episode premiered 9 p.m. Pacific. 10 p.m. Pacific, I already had the screenshots posted. So um, here's my theory how the creators could very easily explain this if it was an error and have it make sense. Shauna, if Shauna becomes the leader after Jackie dies, and let's say Shauna becomes the antler queen, when they return from the wilderness, Shauna, because she clearly has issues with Jackie, she had issues with Jackie in the past, she's carrying a lot of issues with Jackie in the present, I think Shauna feels like she has almost taken over Jackie's life in becoming the leader in marrying her boyfriend. And I could see Shauna... When they come back, when she goes over to Jackie's parents' house, writing in Jackie's journal, like she's continuing the yes. story. Yes, I like this theory a lot. That's probably my favorite theory. And in fact, especially knowing we know that it's a tradition, they go there yes. every year. At least she goes there every year for her birthday and celebrates with her parents, even though she doesn't want to. So 
I can see her sitting on, on Jackie's room and maybe that's her own little Jackie tradition every year. And because she has a vision of her and Jackie talking about uh, Jeff before Jackie was dating Jeff, like the journal was something that was important between them. And in fact, Jeff interrupts Shauna when she's in the room present day. How do we know Shauna wasn't going to write a 2021 Jackie journal entry before Jeff interrupted right. her? Like, I think this 100% makes sense if this is where they're going with the story, whether it was intentional or not. I think Shauna having this, here's a dated reference, uh, a single white female type experience yeah. with Jackie kind of makes sense even yeah. postum posthumously. Yes, I agree. Oh. I like I like the theory of her making that her own little yearly tradition to remember Jackie. Yeah, it, and it, it kind of, now we're talking about it more like this kind of makes sense because this brunch is a tradition for the yes. 40th birthday they gave the soccer uniform. Okay, so then we follow this with, man, Jeff standing up for, for Shauna, like telling- I will marry this thing. I would marry this thing. I loved everything about this this was i mean sweet but he was saying that like this was happening before jackie even died and you know i chose to be with shauna like shauna is a genius shauna got accepted to brown like standing up for his wife it's like yeah this makes me wonder is jeff cheating on shauna because i think jeff is in very in love He's with this not. one yeah i know i like your theory about him planning the big anniversary um you know at the hotel where i told you maybe he's seeing a therapist on his own um, but regardless, I never saw him as cheating on her. Yeah. So, and the way that he stood up here just made me really know that I have a lot of crazy theories and I'm reading into everything. But the one thing that I feel the most certain about is that Jeff is not cheating. And this, like the way that he stood up for her really, really solidified in my brain that I don't think Jeff is cheating on Shauna. Yeah. Um, and I think that, and, and they were serving them tuna quiche for brunch. Like that's just passive aggressive. No, that's completely ridiculous. I, I was like, really? That's that's the choice. Yeah. And the way that he says this is the best tuna quiche I ever had after after he makes it so awkward. <laughs> Beautifully done scene. Yeah, it was very nice. Um, so we go from this to Travis in the cabin, and Coach Ben is like, "Hey, you and Natalie, cool." We don't need any babies around here. Little does he know. Um, but then proceeds to hand yeah, right? Travis the largest handful of condoms I've ever seen in my life. Outside of like a Planned Parenthood clinic. And Travis, and Travis said, we were only going to be in Seattle for two days. <laughs> oh, I love that. I, I absolutely love that. There's like the, the little humor moments on this show are done just so well. Almost like tasteful, you know what I mean? Where you're just like, okay, that that's funny. You know, you have to laugh. How how many chicks do you think he was gonna get with in Seattle in two days? <laughs> well, there is a theory, um, and I don't know where this comes from. Well, I know I know where this comes from. So in the original pilot script, which we haven't talked about yet, I almost want to do a separate episode just about the original script versus what they shot. Um, but in the original script, um, Coach Ben was bisexual and actually had a boyfriend. So some people have taken this online and said, well, Ooh. we think that because Travis doesn't like his father, Coach Martinez, maybe Coach Martinez was having an affair. Maybe he was having an affair with Coach Ben. Like, I think that's just really taking the ball and running oh. with it. But possibly. Okay, yeah, that's extreme, but I can see that. Right, The other right. theory, okay. Okay, and I oh my God, that one yet. this is going to get Coach Ben castrated if this is true, is that Coach Ben does not have a moral or legal compass or sense of right and wrong. And coach Ben is hooking up with another member of the team. 
And if Misty were to catch them doing right. that, like, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna die the worst. Like, he'll wish he was been poisoned by mushrooms if that was the case. But th- it still is a mystery. Why did Coach Ben right. have more condoms uh, on him than uh, I think you know? Certainly, I bought in my teenage years. Um, this was a very imagine very- being stranded in the woods. Like, imagine being stranded in the woods. You have no food, no medication, no batteries for your radio. But there's a there's enough condoms for everyone. <laughs> okay, imagine what, that's the that's the silver lining of your of your tragedy. <laughs> actually, let me let me prepare this. This is going to be the clip that goes out. If I'm Coach Ben, okay. If I'm Coach Ben, and I'm stuck in the woods, and I've got an entire like fishbowls worth of condoms with me, all these condoms that I'm in the woods with and that I have no need for. Here's what I'm doing with them. I am making SOS balloons out of the condoms and I'm writing notes on them and I'm going to release them into the air to float away and hopefully find us help. That is my plan. Yes. So coach Ben is dooming them. I love it. I think that's a, that's an amazing plan or, or use the balloons, like go crazy and use them to try to lift the plane. I don't know. (laughs) Take the balloon, write a note on it or put better yet, put a note inside the condom and float it in the lake or the river. And yes. See if it gets to civilization and help come. Yeah, and write pop me on it. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Because, yeah, you're right. People might see it and they're like, oh, what's with this inflated condom floating in the river? But if they see there's a note in there. Right. You know, I right. mean, Coach Ben, the yeah, key to I, safety. I got to tell you, I, would, I personally would not run to an uh, inflated condom and try to grab it and see what's up with it. <laughs> it's true, but this could be the one time. <laughs> You know, uh, right. look, all I'm saying so forget is, messages in a bottle. We're going to start sending notes in a condom. Everybody write a letter to Showtime asking them to renew <laughs> Yellow Jackets for the full five seasons and mail it inside an inflated condom. I beg of you. <laughs> no, I mean, it's this is kind of silly, but if I'm trapped in the woods and I'm thinking about all my options for survival, I'm sorry, like make a raft inflate the condoms and put some sticks over it like float down the lake or the river float on the condoms until you reach civilization i don't know about that glenn but you know what you gotta think of everything he had so many condoms you could have made a raft enough to carry the entire team and their gear on a raft made of those inflated condoms yeah, this is true. This is true. There's enough. There's definitely enough. Definitely enough. I'm just saying, safe sex is very important. I encourage him wanting to prevent pregnancy in the woods. But Ben, come on, like think about this, Coach. The, you could have been rescued, you know, by episode eight if you only would have yeah. pursued this. Um. So <laughs> we have uh, Taisa can't get the money. Natalie sells her Porsche to get the fifty grand. Kevin shows up uh, to see her, and then gives her a ride back and then takes Natalie to a soccer game. Like this was kind of nice. Yes. Uh, I love this thing as well. Kevin's child yes. playing soccer, Natalie giving soccer advice. Like we got to see a Natalie that we haven't really seen present day in this scene. Yeah. I absolutely love this thing. I love giving her the, giving the kid the advice because you get so caught up in all the drama and everything that they're dealing with that you forget that these girls are, you know, state champions at soccer. So they must have been really, really good at what they did. In addition to that, um, I just wanted to share a theory of mine that when uh, Shana did the Google search earlier on and we see that there's like the lawsuit against the plane company, it really made me wonder about Natalie and her financial status because 
if if you go by the story that they're telling you, they kind of like tell you that she was in rehab or she was heavy on drugs after she was rescued. But we see her get out of an extremely fancy rehab out in LA and she has this porch in storage. So don't you wonder how she was able to afford all of these things or all the drugs that she did? So well, that's my theory. It was said that Ty paid for the rehab. Um, probably as a okay, condition because okay, maybe right, Natalie, right. maybe when that. Natalie was effed up, she was talking too much and Ty was like, I got to get you clean to protect uh, my candidates. But no, I 100% agree. She bought that Porsche with her settlement yeah. money. I'm 100% with you there. Right. And and the drugs that she was doing because drugs are not cheap. And, you know, she, she ended up on a rehab and, and it sounds like it was a serious problem for her. So no, absolutely. just a theory. No, I agree with you 100%. And I love that the show can kind of seed something like that. And they don't need to tell us. We can yeah. do the math. Um, right. Right. So Jeff is reassuring Shauna on the car ride back saying like, I, I want to be with you. I chose to be with you. I've built a life with you, man. Like I want to marry Jeff after this. This is where I'm like, dude ain't cheating, man. Who doesn't? Who doesn't you know? want to marry Jeff? And he's cheating on him. And I, and I think that's the other reason why um, Jeff's not cheating on her is because if I'm writing a show about a complicated character, like Shauna, who Melanie Linsky plays with all these different layers she needs to make bad decisions because it can't just be so convenient yes. that she cheated on her husband oh, or her husband's cheating on her. This has to be someone who was confronted with wrong evidence, jumped to a conclusion and then made a bad decision and then has to pick up the pieces. That makes way more sense to me than, oh, well, they're both terrible people. Yes, agreed, agreed. But I thought I thought this show really, really developed Jeff as a character or at least made, made you sympathize with him, start liking him, root for him, like, Jeff turned a corner in this show, especially in that lunch scene and then in the car when he's like, I never wonder, you know, I want you to know that I never wonder uh, or uh, what if I would have married Jackie. And I think that's something that probably was in her brain for the last how many years has it been? So it, it must have felt great to hear, even though she's, you know, cheating on him. <laughs> there is something interesting about that. I mean, I think about a lot about different chapters of my life and things that went how I wanted them to go and things that didn't go the way I wanted them right. to go. And it's funny. I mean, my wife and I have been together 17 years, but we talk about the nineties or, you know, when I was doing music or when I was doing different endeavors and you do that math where you say, well, if life had gone differently, we wouldn't have ever met, let alone ended up together. And it is interesting because right. when I talk about that, I almost feel like I have to make it clear. Like, Sure, I wonder about what would have happened, but I'm very happy with the way my life turned out. And if I had to do it over, I would not do it any other right. way. And so I really thought it was beautiful for Jeff to give Shauna that comfort here, knowing that this was his choice, all things considered. I thought this was such a well-written scene and so well-acted that, yeah, it's like, dude, like, yeah, I'll marry Jeff. He's fantastic. Yeah, he was great. And this episode was really, really a turnaround for me with Jeff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he seemed like maybe in hindsight, like he was just guilty of disinterest. And I hope we're not wrong. I hope that it does turn out to be that Jeff is a stand-up guy doing the best that he can. Um, okay, so very powerful scene in the episode. I know there's some big reveals and stuff we're going to talk about, but we have to talk about Thaisa finding the underwire missing from the bra. Shauna's went off in the woods alone with the wire. I mean, just talk about a tough scene to watch where Shauna decides that she wants to end this pregnancy because... She, she doesn't want Jackie to find out that she's pregnant with Jeff's baby. Uh, your thoughts on this scene? Yeah, this was tough to watch. It, this was this was very, very tough to watch and um, powerful at the same time, I guess. I, Thaisa knew right away what was going on, even though she made Sean a promise her that she wouldn't do that. 
and she still was there for her and she went and I mean we know that Shauna asked for her assistance and she cries and then she says I can't do it and they hug and it was such a gory powerful painful scene to watch I thought it was it was I don't know probably one of the heaviest and I know that we're talking about people kind of a list on this and that but I thought for me this was one of the heaviest scenes no, I mean, this was real. Like, I mean, I, I was crying during this scene because I think, you know, it, it comes in against a yeah. time in society where we're seeing women's reproductive rights and their ability to choose and take control and autonomy over their own body and reproductive decisions. I mean, that's under threat. And I think, you know, more, more so than ever before. I mean, it's been under threat since Roe versus Wade. But I think that this really underscored how when you feel you have no options and you literally are willing to risk your life mm -hmm. to end a pregnancy just what a dangerous situation we're putting women in. And, and this was, uh, you, I mean, you're right against the context of this show, this was like a shockingly heavy and poignant scene that, I mean, just, I don't know how you can watch this and not feel just like scared for Shauna, just anger that, you know, the fact that there are women who are not stuck in the woods that feel that if they don't have safe and legal access to abortion, that, that this might be a route that uh, is, is their only option available to them. I mean, this was, so powerful and uh, just really speaks to even against the most extreme and fantastic circumstances, you can still tell a very real and relevant story. Yes. Yes. And that, like I said, I, I, I think it was the heaviest for me to watch and understand and, and, and get through, regardless of all the context and things that were seeing supernatural cannibalism. I felt this was as heavy as it got so far for me. Yeah. And um, I think that, you know, credit to Sophie Nelise, who plays um, Shauna, young Shauna in this and just what she's experienced there. She ultimately decides not to go through with it because of, of the pain um, when Thais mm -hmm. is helping her and decides, you know, she's going to figure something out from there. But yeah, I mean, this is just removed from the greater mythology and everything else. We said this is easily one of the most powerful scenes I've, I've ever seen on television, um, let alone this year. And it was just so well done. Same. Um, yeah. Same. Concurrent with this, Lottie has decided that she wants to accept Christ and ask Laura Lee for help and yes. gets baptized. And we had this wonderful homage, as many people have pointed out, this wonderful homage to Wes Craven in A Nightmare on Elm Street with Lottie falling in the water and then waking up um, in you know this, this boiler room or bunker and going and seeing these lit candles. And having this very powerful vision um, when she comes to uh, of seeing Laura Lee's face by the sun, and then almost an explosion behind Laura Lee and Laura Lee's face fading to black. What did, what did you think of this uh, this uh, sequence of Lottie's encounter with the Holy Spirit? I thought it was very, very visually strong and very, very well made. I love the visuals here, the candles, the, even the, the the choice that they went with her attire. Again, I think that I, I really want people to watch this show because I feel like I have so much respect for the attention to detail that they pay on everything that they do. And this is one of those things that I was like, wow, they, I could have not wrote this more perfect or there's nothing that I would have changed about the way that they did this scene. And the vision was so beautifully shot. Um, it was so well yes. done. And yeah, I just... I worry because I really like Lottie as a character and I'm really invested in her journey, but now it's like Lottie is the person that's there to tell us and warn us against everything bad that's going to happen. Right, right. And the fact that, um, you know, not to talk about the scene and how the production value of it, but the psychology behind it is that I can't help but to think 
how desperate is is she without her medicines and because she never understood what her powers really are that at this point she feels like hey laura lee i need to accept religion into my life because that might be the only way to save me because nobody ever let her explore what what it is that her gift is and i and you can't help but to think you know she feels like this is her only solution right now because she never understood what it is that she has and how to handle it or control it she I has think, to be going crazy no absolutely well i mean for me look i think it would have been forget the plane crash i would have think it would have been, you know, the first series about a turbulence where I would be open to accepting all religious influence into my life, uh, given how harrowing and intense <laughs> and extreme that situation was. Uh, I would have been asking Laura Lee, right. like, hey, I was raised Jewish, but could you, can we just, can we do a Jew for Jesus thing here? Can you convert me? Can we make something happen before <laughs> we hit the ground and die? Just right. want to make sure I'm good. Uh, but no, I think, uh, you know, in seriousness though, here's the other thing I like is that um, Laura Lee is played a little bit as the Christian girl for laughs as, Oh, this overly religious type. Isn't it funny that she really believes this and religion is hokey. And I like the idea that they're giving her, um, they're, they're making her to a real person and making her beliefs be something that are more accepted and more open. And she's just not this character that's here that we're supposed to sort of giggle at her hokiness. I like, that they're having Lottie come around to this and through that being able to have like a really respectful uh, representation of spirituality. Yes, agreed. And um, in the earlier episode when Jackie makes them line up and say something nice to each other and she starts, the thing that she says to Laura Lee and you can tell that she means it is I really respect and admire your faith. Yeah. So I do think that they, they, you know, they make their jokes here and there, but I think that they're all very respectful in what she believes in and you can see them kind of like take part in before they start their practice before national remember she wants to say a prayer and everybody just kind of like bows down their head and let her say her prayer so i do think that the team is supportive um of her um you know of her faith and beliefs no absolutely uh then we have more scenes of natalie making travis a better young man um as they were about to have sex now that travis has condoms he asks and like i'm just cringing at this like cringing to like the my lesser moments teenage self where asking her how many guys she's been with and you know then him really revealing that his insecurity is because he's a virgin i mean this was such a real scene and i love how natalie schooled him uh for yes, essentially the vagina monologues yes the vagina monologues i mentioned that yesterday that scene stuck with me i would also marry this scene i thought this was great and I thought that because I feel like now it's easier for women to stand up and say, hey, slut shaming is bullshit. But to see them also have somebody kind of like standing up and saying that back in 1996 when maybe, I don't want to say it was okay to do it, but not a lot of people were standing up for women, you know, when this would happen. Uh, this thing was magical, in my opinion. Well, and in fact, I like that it um, it was very real. Again, looking at the nineties, looking at my teenage years through the lens of a 45 year old now in present day, it's like so much of male behavior and terrible male behavior comes from a place of insecurity. And it's entirely what he's, what you see Travis portraying here um, because Mm -hmm. he's not experienced. He's afraid that she's more experienced. He's afraid how he's going to measure up. He's going to afraid. What does it mean? Like he's processing all of these insecurities and taking it out on her. And I just think, again, this is so well-written and so well done and credit 
to uh, yeah. both actors in the scene and what they brought to this performance because it was it was yeah and I can totally understand where Travis is coming from with his insecurities. It was just the way that he worded that instead of just you know it's easier to just say hey I'm inexperienced and I'm nervous than saying how many people have you been with you know what I mean and yes that is so cringy when you think about it now right. It is. And I think that there's nothing wrong with two people having an honest conversation, um, yeah. you know, particularly when it relates to risk and safe sex and things like that. Like, but then at the same time, um, you know, I mean, I kind of talk about like just a night and day difference. You think about um, how the movie Clerks sort of underscored male insecurity and in that you want to know, but you really don't want to know. So just right. don't fucking say anything uh, or chasing right. Amy even to uh, to the nth degree. But this was like, just a very mature scene that, you know, I wish I could have been exposed to media like this as a teenager. Um, because I think that it just, it promotes such healthy discussion and positive views and uh, relevancy mm -hmm. around, uh, you know, uh, both male and female attitudes towards sex. Agree. Said it better. Uh, Sophie Thatcher, by the way, shout out for playing teenage Natalie and yes. uh did just a very good job and kevin alves as travis who i think uh it must be a tough role where it's like you're gonna play the shithead guy who wants to become a better man like but he's right, doing this right. well and uh, you get the sense that he is learning and growing and evolving so i really like yes uh this was kind of a light misty episode but oh the what we got from her probably the lightest misty episode since the pilot yeah what we got yes. from her was uh putting, uh, uh, you know, something in a syringe, calling up Jessica Roberts and saying, okay, I want to work with you. Let's meet. Um, we get Shauna. This is what it's weird. Jeff was so cool in this episode, but he's saying, Hey, I have to go into the, the store inventory issues. Shauna's getting these texts from Adam. Who's acting way too thirsty. Like Shauna is not encouraging yeah. this. Um, and after this, Shauna then saying, okay, 45 minutes. I want you naked, lying face down. Maybe I'll be there. Maybe I won't uh, with Adam uh, in these texts. Yes. Um, absolutely crazy. Jeff goes off to the store. So I'll just call this out now. And I think this is what we're about to see in this episode that we're going to watch for the first time in one hour uh, shortly oh after we God, finish yes. this podcast. I think Shauna is going to go over there, see Adam face down, and she's going to see his back tattoo and owe oh, the questions she is going to have. Uh, as it relates to who he is and what is his interest in her. I love this theory. I saw um, somebody grab a screenshot. I don't know if it was from the trailer. I'm sure you've seen it. The one of her holding the knife. Have you seen that screenshot? I did, yes. We'll find out. We will yeah, find out what I think, happens. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, we'll find out. I don't know, but you know, I'm very curious to see where this goes. Um, and speaking of things, I'm curious to see where it goes. Uh, Misty, Jessica Roberts gets into her car. Misty injects her almost immediately. Jessica Roberts wakes up like handcuffed to the bed, duct tape mouth. <laughs> Misty saying, good night, sleep tight. Don't let the fact you're a horrible person keep you up at night. Like shit is about to like, I'm episode seven. Like, I don't want to give too lofty of expectations, but oh my God, is some shit about to happen in episode seven based on how we ended episode six. Um, okay, but do you think that Misty kidnapped the reporter because A, she knows that the other women think the reporter is the person blackmailing them and Misty's actually the person doing it? Or B, because she wants to be one step ahead of them? I think, yeah, I think Misty wants information to give her power within the team dynamic so they will accept her. Right. 
Okay. Okay. Um, and I, I don't want to give short shift to these theories, but for me, it's like, we're going to know very soon what happens. So it's like, I'm yeah, almost yeah, yeah. too speculative on it. Um, we go back to the woods. Uh, Natalie and Travis do bring back a deer. This is the deer with the bloody horn. So Lottie is not insane. And immediately when they go to cut it open, um, oh, uh, Coach Ben explains yeah. that that is a process. Deer shed their horns. Like that's natural. Yeah. Like the deer should be fine, but they cut it open. Maggots all inside the deer. Everyone says, well, yeah. I'm not eating that. I do feel like I should point out, I did get how to survive in the woods and how to eat in the woods. Maggots are an excellent source of protein. Um, they can absolutely eat the maggots and survive on them. Not appetizing. I see the face you're making. Um, but just saying, like, the maggots are probably better to eat than whatever's wrong with the deer that caused this infestation. I'm sure we'll find out more about the lack of food um, in the coming episodes. Um, yeah. We do see Natalie in bed with Travis. We see the text, drop the money off tonight. And then who gets the text about drop the money off? Uh, oh, and we, we, I'm sorry, we skipped this earlier. But Lottie in Is It a Vision or Is It Real did see Thaisa paying off to the dirty fingernails. Saw Thaisa in 1996 digging up and eating dirt. Um, and we're sort of left to wonder, like, is that, was that real or was Lottie seeing things? But we know now from the deer that Lottie, uh, absolutely her visions are quite often real. Uh, and if you right. wondered if that was real or not, we see adult Thaisa getting a text while Thaisa is out in the tree. Uh, looks like she ate her hand, uh, and is digging in the dirt. Um, what do you make of this reveal that Thaisa is the lady in the tree that Sammy's been seeing all this time and has uh, the same perhaps disassociative or similar disassociative disorder to what Sammy was diagnosed with early in the episode, uh, driven by stress? I screamed. I was watching this late at night and I freaking screamed at this whole sequence. For some reason, I wasn't surprise it was just a shocking element like the the part of the hand that appeared to be missing she's eating the dirt the way that it was like produced and shown it was so powerful her hair is messy and you're used to seeing adult Thaisa so put together you know maybe it's because she's running you know she's having a uh she's a she's into politics now I don't know what it is but she always looks so put together and she always tries so hard to come off 100% perfect than seeing this side of her was just like a complete shock. And I, I don't know what to think other than the fact that the, the first thing that hit me was that you're the one torturing your own kid and you probably don't even realize it. And yeah. you're the reason why Sammy is the way that he is. And it was just uh, the best way that I can describe this is one of those, the, the mind blown emoji at this whole sequence but at the same time it's like why is she this extreme and the other ones aren't or are we not seeing how far out the other ones go because we do see Taisa eating dirt in 1996 now we see this we also see how good Shauna got at hunting or whatever and then we see her kill that rabbit in her you know in her yard so maybe they're all affected differently but this was one of those the biggest holy shit moments that I've had so far in this in this theory. Well, so we've had people speculate that this is again similar to Lottie being on an antipsychotic medicine, and how you know, and having that suppressed visions. People are speculating that Thaisa, uh, this behavior is rooted in a disorder called Pika, which um, is craving and chewing substances that have no nutritional value, such as ice, clay, soil, or paper. 
Um, right. So it seems like they're drawing on something real here. But yeah, her disassociation, you think about um, her grandmother, you think about Sammy, like there is some sort of generational trauma or condition that she is dealing with here from the disassociation and the eating the dirt is a symptom of that. I love that point that you just made because I have anemia. My iron is always very low and yeah. I have a thing where I eat ice all the time. I yeah. put ice in all my drinks and I eat, and I can't help it. It's just I crave it and it's something that I do. And I, <laughs> my dad used to pick on me when I was little, but he was like, don't eat ice. Why do you do that? Blah, blah, blah. And then I found that as an adult, which I still throw my dad's face every chance that I get, that is because of my iron deficiency that that happens to me. And the doctor told me, you're lucky what you crave is ice. That's when he started telling me there's people out there eating dirt or clay or like chalk. And I'm like, ew, <laughs> you know? So it's funny because I even have something similar to that and I didn't put two and two together. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's that's where the creators of the show are very smart is they're taking real things. You're right. So it kind of comes back to our mm -hmm. question of like, is this so supernatural? Well, I think the best science fiction and the best horror are often things that are based that are one or two steps removed from reality, but we're not completely making something up. Right, but there was a little bit of a, like an evilness in the way that she's eating this dirt compared to where you look at the people that have this similar conditions, they just eat it normally. There's not such thing. And why did she eat her hand? Like, I don't know, I don't know. I'm just- Yeah, there's, there's <laughs> a, like a feral disassociation. No, and it is, I mean, right. it is creepy. I'm not saying the disorder. I mean, that's real, obviously. Right, right. People deal with that, but they're portraying it in a way where she's yeah. almost possessed um, and there's something else going on there. And that's what makes, I mean, this scene, like I was like, this show has such a good mood, but like this, you know, I was more scared with by this than the man with no eyes uh, reveal, like, because this right. is Thaisa, this right. character we know who's going through this, you know? Yes. Yes. And I think she's like, I don't know. There's, I don't think the man with no eyes or the man in the woods is nearly as scary as, this reveal about Taisa. Not, yeah. not even near it. Yeah. Um, so man, what an episode. Like just uh, to come to this end and we've got Insane. what's Misty going to do next? What's going on with Shauna uh, and Adam? What's going on uh, with Taisa? What's going on back in the woods where now, I mean, they're, they're seeing like, they're like they can't eat. Like starvation is looming. They're very hungry and animals are becoming few and far between. Like, yeah, I'm excited about episode seven. And I have to say like, I'm excited that we can talk about episode seven enough to worry about spoiling future episodes. I know we've gone very long tonight. Um, right. There's a lot to talk about, but I think we're still going to have longer episodes because we're going to be free to speculate more, only covering one episode per podcast episode going forward. Right, right. I'm glad that we're finally caught up and I'm glad that now we'll be able to talk about them when they come out. Um, and, and that way we can spend some time recapping, but also kind of like conspiring and, and coming up with our theories or even sharing the good theories we run into reading things online. Yeah, absolutely. So, ah, we made it. We're caught up. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. Um, episode seven is about to air. We're going to tomorrow do our reaction to that. And then every week, probably every Sunday, we'll be putting out a new episode to correspond with the new episode that's debuting. We'll be watching it on demand the night before and so we can get it out on Sunday. And uh, if you have emails, theories, things you want to send, send them to us, yellowjacketsbuzz at gmail.com. You could tweet at us. Issa's at NYC Demon Diva. That's Diva with a one. I'm at Glenn Rubenstein. Love to hear from you your theories. Hope you're enjoying the podcast. Issa, thank you so much. We're there. We're we're over the mountain we're into the thick of it now and i'm looking forward to continuing this journey with you and we're gonna have some guests coming up as well so it'll be exciting
Yes, I'm excited too. I'm excited because now I'll be able to like get this together. And by the time I'm done sending you all the files, it'll be time to watch the new episode. I know. So I'm so excited. Cool. Well, look for <laughs> Thank that. Thank you so much, man. Thanks everyone for tuning in and we'll catch you back here next time on Yellow Jackets Buzz. Take care.